It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. We have come to an agreement for final passage of the bipartisan infrastructure a proposal. As we move forward, we're proceeding on both tracks, the track of the bipartisan infrastructure proposal and the track of the budget resolution with reconciliation instructions. That's a nightmare unfolding on Capitol Hill. That was Chuck Schumer, the majority leader in the Senate, but with the help of 17 Benedict Arnold senators, we are uh, plunging ourselves into inflation and debt and more government control if they have their way tonight, which they will. We're going to talk about this bill, the infrastructure bill, that they're all heralding as uh, something so wonderful. They're not all heralding that. Just the 17 Republicans, who, including Mitch McConnell, who expedited this. Uh, and the companion bill, which they say may spend up to $5 trillion more dollars, uh, making uh, issuing amnesty to illegal immigrants, uh, folding in the entire New Green Deal and more. There are so many things involved in this, really. I think this is a dagger, a betrayal like none we've ever seen. It's been happening for a long time. I've had a front row seat to it, but this is really the worst so far. A dagger in the heart of America, uh, cooperated by 17 our Republican senators, and I'm going to talk about that today, so I hope you'll stay tuned. Meanwhile, I started yesterday by telling you about what's happening in Chicago uh, because it represents what's happening around the nation when it comes to crime. Uh, there were so many shootings over the weekend, and one of them was a police, two police officers, one Ella French, who is dead now. Her brother spoke out about her and said God took the wrong kid. He talked about how compassionate and sweet she was. We now see her picture. She was in Inglewood, which is uh, West Inglewood, which is one of the worst areas of the city. And uh, it was a traffic stop. And she and her partner stopped these two brothers and a girl. Uh, and uh, Ella was killed, and her partner is fighting for his life right now. Uh, the two brothers that committed the murder, El Monte Morgan, 21, and his brother, Eric Morgan, 22. And we now have pictures of them. Lovely, delightful. And uh, But now here's the real story, and that story uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, visited the, the hospital where uh, the partner uh, of the dead police woman is. And, and I, I want to say something, one more thing, because my <laughs> my husband and I are a little late to the party on this, but we've been watching Blue Bloods because we've heard so much about it, and we finally thought that we'll just watch this. And it's a, about a police family uh, in uh, New York City, the police commissioner and uh, his his children and then his father before him, it's uh, in their blood uh, to protect the public and be policemen. It's really great, by the way. I highly recommend it to you. But this particular girl that was killed over the weekend is one of those families. Her brother is an um, uh, Iraqi veteran. Now he serves on the force, has been there for about three years. And she was on the force, and their father was on the force. Okay, so that's the backdrop. 
Mayor Lori Lightfoot came to the hospital where the other officer, uh, her partner, uh, Ella French is her name. She was 29. Her partner's fighting for his life. So she comes to the University of Chicago Medical Center, the mayor, and what happens? 30 Chicago police officers turn their backs on the mayor. It's a picture of it. They turn their backs on the mayor. Why did they do that? Because with all the murders that have been happening, I gave you the stats yesterday, hundreds of shootings and murders and killings, uh, there have only been two convictions. And uh, they're fed up with it. The Chicago police are fed up. Chicago police have no, you know, been like the New York City police. They've been legendary in their effectiveness. And uh, they're, they're, not, they're not down with any nice words, which she offered, nice words. And so, uh, and so that continues uh, in, our, in our country. Well, all right, so we have to talk about COVID because, you know, we have to talk about COVID. So Joe Biden um, weighed in again more explicitly on uh, the enemy that is Texas and Florida when it comes to COVID, and this is what he said. Just two states, Florida and Texas, account for one-third of all new COVID-19 cases in the entire country. I say to these governors, please help. But if you aren't going to help, at least get out of the way. Yeah, so along with that, uh, uh, Joe Biden's uh, CDC printed uh, new cases in Florida. Just to give you an example of what's happening here, this is the same old, same old. They reported, the CDC did, that on Sunday, Florida had the highest, the highest number of cases ever. Uh, it was the high mark, the high watermark, and it was in Florida Problem is, Florida's health department caught the CDC combining several days into one, several days' numbers into one. Oh, I'm sure it was an accident. And so they are demanding a correction from the CDC because the numbers that are being reported, blaming Florida for this, uh, you know, for whatever they want to blame them for, for everything, for COVID, I guess, for everything, uh, are not true. I'm not, isn't that shocking that the CDC would do something that's not true? So DeSantis, you know, has issued, uh, as, a, as the governor of Florida, has issued a, uh, an executive order to schools saying you cannot mandate masks for children. You can't do it. Well, some of the Florida uh, school districts are fighting back, two or three of them. And so he has issued this threat now to withhold salaries of education officials if they force children to be masked. I'm sure they weren't expecting that. And uh, I wanted to just mention something else. There was this incredible, um, there is this incredible, uh, no, no, this, I'm getting, I've got two videos I want to commend to you. So one of them is a doctor named um, Dr. Ryan Cole. Uh, and it is, um, he talks, he's a pathologist trained at Mayo Clinic, and he talks in great detail about what these injections are doing to people's brains. I have to tell you, I listened to about two-thirds of it. That's all I had time for. It's not that long. It's 25 minutes something. I tried to listen this morning before I went on. I heard most of it. I was just cringing. I was because members of my family have been vaccinated. I I commend this to you. I don't know if you've been vaccinated. I don't know. I'm not sending this to my vaccinated friends because I I just just don't don't have the heart to do that. But for those of you that haven't been, you should watch this. It's very upsetting. It's Dr. Ryan Cole. That is his name. He's a pathologist. And uh, we will put that on our Facebook page. But one of the things he takes on is the CDC, uh, the CDC and uh, the the FDA, uh, and talks about how uh, unreliable they are. 
Another doctor, Dr. Dan Stock, who is from Mount Vernon, Indiana, some some good friends sent me a video of him testifying before a board there, uh, just talking about how horrible the CDC guidelines are uh, and the National Institutes for Health. And uh, that video has been, of course, erased, I mean, taken down immediately. The one that I'm putting on our Facebook page is on BitChute. So uh, hopefully they can't touch that, at least not yet. Uh, but the other was Dr. Dan Stock in Mount Vernon, Indiana. And he's uh, so eloquent. And if we can find that video in another form, I will put, I'll make that available to you. So just to p- prove the point that they're talking about, um, the CDC director is on tape, and I'm going to play it for you, admitting that they lied about COVID deaths among the vaccinated. Does anybody remember this? They said that, uh, i got to go backwards here. They were saying that most of the deaths are the unvaccinated. Uh, So they cherry-picked data from several states, but they included data from January when COVID deaths were at their peak and less than 10% of Americans had even taken the vaccine. So in other words, they took this uh, data from a a period of time where people hadn't even received the vaccine, and they're saying that most of the deaths were, or most of the deaths and serious illnesses were in the unvaccinated. Do Do you understand a complete twisting. And so Michelle, uh, Rochelle Walensky was asked about this by a reporter, and I want you to hear what she had to say. This is clip one. Several of you and the president have repeatedly cited figures saying that 99% of those who die from COVID-19 are unvaccinated, and 95% around that are hospital who are hospitalized are unvaccinated. With the Delta variant, do you still stand by these numbers, and do you have government data to back them up? Yes, thank you for that uh, question, Caitlin. So those data were data that um, were from analyses in several states from uh, January through June and didn't reflect the data that we have now from the Delta variant. We are actively working to update those in the context of the Delta variant. I I do want to reiterate, though, that based on the data we're seeing, and we don't have fully updated numbers, universally, as we look at our hospitalizations and as we look at our deaths, they are overwhelmingly unvaccinated people. Yeah, maybe or maybe not, because uh, who could tell? Who could trust them? She's taking, she has said repeatedly that the, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And that's been picked up by Anthony Fauci, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. They're all repeating it. And they're talking about the numbers that you just heard. And now we find out that the numbers that they used were from January through June. Uh, before most people were even, the vaccinations have been pushed this last six months and more and more people are getting vaccinated. So it's not true. And as a matter of fact, the deaths among the vaccinated are 30 times higher than what they've been reporting. And that brings me to, of course, that Ryan Cole pathologist um, video that we're going to put on our Facebook page from BitChute. Uh, that about what these vaccines and injections do to your brain and other organs. It's, it's very upsetting. It's just very upsetting to me, I have to tell you. And so I think it's upsetting to other people too. Rand Paul, who was a doctor, uh, is someone, of course, that I respect greatly. And Rand is now, you know, I told you a couple of days ago, I said I hope that Rand comes around on these vaccinations, and I believe he will. Um, I, I'm my, my position against them has hardened. It has. Initially, I just uh, wasn't sure, and I didn't want to give bad information, or I just, but this is frightening. What they're saying that this injection does to your brain and your other organs is frightening to me. And uh, um, so, so Rand Paul came out yesterday 
uh, he's not against vaccinations. He doesn't say that. But I want you to hear what Dr. Rand Paul had to say. This is clip seven. It's time for us to resist. They can't arrest all of us. They can't keep all of your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed, although I've got a long list of ones they might keep closed or might ought to keep closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. Nancy Pelosi, you will not arrest or stop me or anyone on my staff from doing our jobs. We have either had COVID, had the vaccine, or been offered the vaccine. We will make our own health choices. We will not show you a passport. We will not wear a mask. We will not be forced into random screenings and testings so you can continue your drunk with power reign over the Capitol. President Biden, we will not accept your agency's mandates or your reported moves towards a lockdown. No one should follow the CDC's anti-science mask mandates. And if you want to shut down federal agencies again, some of which aren't even back to work yet, I will stop every bill coming through the Senate with an amendment to cut their funding if they don't come back to work in person. Local bureaucrats and union bosses, we will not allow you to do more harm to our children again this year. Children are not at any more risk from COVID than they are from the seasonal flu. Every adult who works in schools has either had the vaccine or had their chance to get vaccinated. There is no reason for mask mandates, part-time schools, or any lockdown measures. Children are falling behind in school and are being harmed physically and psychologically by the tactics that you have used to keep them from the classroom during the last year. We won't allow it again. If a school system attempts to keep children from full-time in-person school, I will hold up every bill with two amendments, one to defund them and another to allow parents the choice of where the money goes for their child's education. All right, so that was, uh, he's saying, time to resist. That's what we heard from the Michigan rally. If you lose your job, if, you thre- if they threaten you that you must get vaccinated, Tammy, who's the head of, uh, sorry, Stand Up Michigan, uh, said, find another job. All right, so that's not as easy it sounds as for some of you, I'm sure, but maybe Rand is right. Time to resist. They can't arrest all of us. <laughs> they can't mask all of our children. And by the way, there's going to be a Trump rally in Coleman, Alabama on Saturday, August the 21st. And if you'd like to go, you might get encouraged. And we're going to talk about other things, so stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch, too. You can start saving each month, which is huge. But right now, they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number, 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Ty Johnson, Acting Director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement at the Department of Homeland Security. His agency protects the United States from cross-border crime and illegal immigration. Psalm 4-8 reminds us of God's gifts of safety and protection. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Ty Johnson in his work for ICE. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. The governor of Tennessee quietly issued an executive order late Friday, and it has folks around the volunteer state wondering what's going on. Bill Lee, a Republican, issued the order that would allow for the involuntary commitment of any citizen during a health event. The order also gives the state power to call up the National Guard, and it allows the state to build temporary quarantine facilities. Now, the governor's office is downplaying all of this. They say it's simply routine, but I'm not so sure about that, especially when there's a nationwide crackdown on civil liberties. New York City's demanding citizens provide papers to prove they've had the China virus vaccine. If you don't show your papers, you won't be able to eat in a restaurant. So it's not a stretch to imagine government leaders forcing the unvaccinated into quarantine centers in Tennessee. Pay attention, America. Your freedom hangs in the balance. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. It's a terrible bill. And it look, this is yet another inflation bomb dropped on an already carpet-bombed economy. This is something that reinforces the false notion that the federal government is in charge of everything. Yes. That, and, and it's also uh, based on a false no- notion that this is principally about infrastructure, which it isn't. And by the way, most infrastructure isn't federal and should never be in the first place. This is going to make everything more expensive for Americans. It causes inflation. Inflation hurts the poor and middle class more than anyone else. This bill is going to make a substantial effort at destroying the budding cryptocurrency industry. It's also going to wreak havoc on homeowners. As home buyers find these increased fees that they're putting in place are going to make everything more expensive in the real estate market they already can't afford. On top of all this, Steve, this is a massive intrusion into privacy as this creates a, a pilot project to monitor where you drive and how many miles you drive in a year. This is not what the federal government ought to be doing. And this is not bipartisan and chip in action. This is the uniparty forcing the will of Washington, D.C. This isn't just about Democrats versus Republicans. This is Washington, D.C. against the American people. And it's wrong. Boy, Senator Mike Lee uh, on a rant. And thank God for that rant, because uh, 18 Republicans are supporting this infrastructure bill and then uh, making it possible 
for the Democrats then to move to reconciliation of what some are saying a $5 trillion bill, which will implement the Green New Deal and amnesty. That's just two things. $5 trillion buys a lot. So we're going to talk about that. Tommy Binion is with us this morning. Tommy's a good friend. Uh, he has been for a long time. He's the vice president of government relations for Heritage. No one understands what's going on in Congress better than Tommy, and I've asked him to join us this morning to talk about it. Hey, Tommy, good morning. Good morning, Sandy. Great to be with you. Uh, all right. Well, let's encourage each other in some way, uh, maybe. But uh, here, here's the thing, Tommy. I know that there's a million bad things in this bill, but let me ask you from your perspective, what are the – no, I, let me ask it differently. What is good about this bill? Because these 17 Republicans think it's the best thing since sliced bread, including Mitch McConnell. So what are they so excited about? Uh, infrastructure spending to a politician uh, is currency. It's, it's, it is political capital. They get to go back to their state and they get to say, we're going to get this new bridge. We're going to get this new lane expansion. We're going to get this, this new project from this infrastructure bill. Uh, they believe that infrastructure spending uh, is sort of a win-win in, in terms of politics, but they underestimate those of us that see that a trillion-dollar expansion of the federal government, that level of intrusion into our lives. Senator Lee was talking about the pilot project to monitor our driving and figure out new ways to tax us. Uh, other people have pointed out there's new government agencies created in this bill, like one called the Women in Trucking Advisory Board, to encourage women to enter the field of trucking. The, 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 the things that you have to dream up to spend a trillion dollars um, are, are just unfathomably wasteful. And so they underestimate those of us that uh, understand that's how we got $30 trillion in debt um, and, and, and that this is, uh, this is a downhill road. But, Sandy, I want to say one other thing. What's really bad about this bill is the Democrats have explicitly said, and I'm talking about Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, and Joe Manchin. All four of those people have explicitly said this bill is a package deal with a partisan reconciliation bill that's going to cost somewhere between $3.5 trillion and $5 trillion. I'm afraid that bill is going to include immigration amnesty for 10 to 15 to 20 million illegal aliens, uh, and they're going to pass it on a partisan basis. This morning at 11 a.m., they're going to vote to pass the infrastructure bill, and then they are immediately going to turn to that reconciliation, um, the, the, the first procedural step in passing that. So it's, it's very concerning the way that they've linked it together. I don't believe one can pass without the other, and so it's very puzzling that there are Republicans willing to vote to enable that second bill I'm describing. Well, it couldn't possibly be, Tommy, because you might have, like, say, maybe the Mitch McConnell Memorial Bridge or the, uh, I don't know, a Richard Burr Highway in North Carolina because these things are named after them. It is really probably, I said this at the top of the show this morning, Tommy, it's like the, the worst dagger in the heart of America, the betrayal like none that I've seen. We've had, and that's saying something, because we've been watching uh, establishment Republicans betray us for some time. And this is a betrayal by the Democrats also. Uh, they are trying to destroy the country, and they're doing a great job. And now Republicans are helping them. And just for a second, Tommy, I, I must read the list. 
of Republicans who were complicit with this. It's Roy Blunt of Missouri, Richard Burr of North Carolina, Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia, Bill Cassidy, Louisiana, Susan Collins, Maine, Kevin Kramer, North Dakota, Mike Crapo, Idaho, John Hoven, North Dakota, Lindsey Graham, South Carolina, Chuck Grassley of Iowa, Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Roger Wicker of Mississippi, Rob Portman of Ohio, James Risch of Idaho, Mitt Romney of Utah, Mike Rounds, South Dakota, Tom Tillis, North Carolina, and Todd Young of Indiana. Tell me, if you were to care, is there a way to characterize uh, why this particular grouping of senators, how would you uh, describe these gentlemen and a couple of ladies? Uh, how would you describe them? Is there a way? Uh, well, you know, um, they are complicit in uh, a destructive level of spending um, for what they believe is political gain. Now, I, I disagree with their political calculus, but they believe this is politically expedienced. And like you said, uh, you know, in all of these states, there, there are going to be projects. Uh, there are going to be big spending, hard infrastructure projects where these senators will get to take credit for them. But in order to get that, uh, they are enabling um, the, the, the remaking of the American economy, of the federal government. Um, and it's, it's a really destructive level of spending. It is true that infrastructure spending is popular, but not, not what they're going to do in the reconciliation bill. Not the uh, not legislative amnesty, not uh, this level of spending when we are staring down an inflationary crisis. Uh, and, and and look, I'll, I'll say one thing: that list you just read, Sandy, that's that's the list of people that voted to advance this bill. They they voted um, they voted for cloture on the motion to proceed. That was the big hurdle. One of those senators has come around. Todd Young announced uh, Sunday night that he's going to vote to oppose the infrastructure bill. It's, yeah, a little, uh, it's a little too little, too late. Exactly. But, uh, you know, that, that is, that's actually indicative that this is not as politically popular as they think. Uh, I want to commend a couple of articles here. The Conservative Review has, no, Conservative HQ has written a couple of great articles about this. Uh, and uh, we're going to put them on our Facebook page. One of them says, the 17 Senate GOP baby killers. And we'll talk about that. And then the other one is the 18 surveillance state Senate Republicans. And so we'll put both of those articles. It's conservative HQ. Uh, when they say baby killers, Tommy, what are they talking about? Um, you know, I, 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 I haven't read that article. I don't know explicitly what they're talking about. What the Democrats want to do is they want to remove the Hyde Amendment. That's um, what they're talking from, about. From, from federal appropriations. So um, every year. The Congress passes spending bills where we where we spend the, the basic expenditures of the federal government. And there is a key protection in there called the Hyde Amendment that protects us taxpayers from funding abortion. Um, it, 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 it protects the federal government from any money going out to fund abortion. And the Democrats have passed a bill uh, in the House to eliminate that. Uh, that is going to be part of the appropriations battle, yes, uh, right. which uh, is going to be revolve around the September 30th date. We're also going to be talking about the debt ceiling around that time, uh, because it is the debt ceiling that will enable all of this Biden spending spree that we've been talking about. Um, and and it's, Hyde is very much at stake. It is very much on the table. 
So any cooperation with Democrats as they're trying to destroy that key uh, federal law um, is uh, is subject to, I think, that level of scorn and, and that level of scrutiny that, that's indicated in uh, in there. Tommy, I, it's hard to c- comprehend. You said it very clearly, but I want to go back to this. And I had audio on it, but there's no need to pull it out because the the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and I forgot who else I have on tape saying that this infrastructure bill that they're going to pass at 11 o'clock this morning, Eastern Standard Time, is directly linked to the next bill, which is up to $5 trillion dollars. Uh, they say that they're completely linked. They won't. They can't have one without the other. And I, this is confusing. So I don't know that they've. I've ever heard them say this before. And I don't understand why these seventeen Republicans didn't take that to heart. Can you can you explain that? Uh, I will try. Uh, and um, you know, they they are taking an extraordinarily giant gamble. Um, they they they're basically saying that the Democrats are lying, and that um, they're gonna they think that this action is going to make it harder to pass the reconciliation bill. Uh, they think that the Democrats basically will be satisfied with the one trillion dollar bill. Oh, and oh, oh now that's a laugh track. Dollar bill. Th- that requires but, a laugh track. Sandy, <laughs> all you have to do is watch CSAM at eleven o'clock today, and you'll see. Once the vote is over. That gavel will drop, and they will immediately shift to the budget resolution, which is the setup for reconciliation. It's, it, it, there will be one second between consideration, and the first thing that's happening is Chuck Schumer is going to give a speech about his two-track, uh, two-track process for passing both of these bills together. They'll be sequenced within hours of each other in the House. Um, and uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi said she won't pass one without the other. Uh, Joe Biden's now contradicted himself, but at first he said he won't sign one without the other. It's extraordinarily clear that they are linked. I, you know, charitably, the Republicans that are doing this are, are, are being too clever by half. Um, but I think they're taking a five trillion dollar gamble. Oh, I do too, and I can't. I actually kind of go with uh, Senator Lee when he said this is not a two party thing. This is a one party. This is Washington trying to take power, and it's the Republicans helping. Uh, while thinking they're having a, making political gains, you know the irony is, Tommy. It's the same thing. They. It seems to me that uh, Mitch McConnell and his band of whatevers uh, are so out of touch with the American people. They don't understand the rage. I don't think they I have any idea. They don't even understand. When, like when January sixth happened, they didn't understand. Uh, they were so upset by having been disrupted. And they didn't understand. They did not take the temperature of the American people. I don't see how they can even expect to survive this politically if they actually do what we think they're going to do at 11 o'clock this morning. Do you, do you agree they're putting themselves at political risk? I do. Um, I, I, I absolutely do. I think the Democrat reconciliation bill that they are working on, um, the, uh, the, the extraordinarily uh, massive immigration amnesty, uh, the overhaul of the American economy, the remaking of the federal government, um, it, it is the most threatening and damaging piece of legislation I think you could construct here in the year 2021. Um, and, and the Democrats are absolutely of the mind that they intend to pass this. But I, I, um, I want to be clear about the task that is in front of us, you and I and, and, and all of the listeners here. 
there is a zero vote, a one-vote margin in the Senate, and a four-vote margin in the House. This is not a done deal. If they want to pass that reconciliation bill, they're going to have to keep all their frogs in the wheelbarrow in the face of the truth about this legislation that we're going to spend August and September exposing. Um, I am optimistic we can stop the Democrats from doing that, but only if we truly understand the nature of the challenge and we dig it and we dig in. Yeah, let's um, let's go back to some. Oh, so since you were getting practical, don't let me leave that without saying: Is it worth calling our senators at this point in time? Absolutely. There is no reason not to make your voice heard. before the vote, during the vote, after the vote, it doesn't matter. Uh, these people are supposed to represent you. Um, and if you're upset about these things, it's, it's always appropriate to make your voice heard. Um, you know, will it change the vote this morning? Almost certainly not. But can we build up a movement, a, a bulwark against the reconciliation bill and stop that from passing later this fall? I think the answer is absolutely yes. Let me just say that uh, the conservative HQ article that I referenced a few minutes ago, uh, this is the one that's titled the 17 Senate GOP Baby Killers, has every one of them listed plus their local office numbers, if that helps you in any way. So, um, Tommy, let's go back to a couple of things because you touched on this, but we didn't sit on it long enough. And I think, to me, I, I, how would I know? It's, what, 2,500 pages long, so I don't exactly know everything in this infrastructure bill. But the one thing that really jumps out at me and other people are pointing out is this whole thing to track our driving habits uh, to uh, – to, well, here, let me read – this is the, the language. The pilot program is set up to test the design, acceptance, implementation, and financial sustainability of a national motor vehicle per mile user fee to address the need for additional revenue to surface transportation infrastructure and a nation, national motor vehicle per mile user fee, and to provide recommendations to relating relating to the adoption and implementation of a national motor vehicle per mile user fee. Now, I know you can't possibly be an expert on every provision here, too, but let's let's sit on that for a second. What, so what are they talking about exactly? Well, uh, right now, uh, you pay a gas tax. Every time you fill up your car with gas, you're paying a little bit of tax to the federal government. And they're taking that money and they're putting it in a trust fund that is meant to go to fund the highways program. Um, a couple things have happened. One is our cars are more efficient. Um, and uh, the people, the, the, the American people, don't want to be taxed anymore. Uh, and so they don't, they don't want the Congress to raise that gas tax. And so Congress is trying to get creative here, and they're trying to tax us. If you're going to have a Tesla, if you're going to have an electric vehicle, if the market is going to continue to deliver more and more efficient cars, they want to tax you by mile rather than by gallon of gasoline. Um, And to do that, they're going to have to spy on you. They're going to have to know exactly how far you drive, um, and they want to put a tracker in your car to figure that out. Uh, It is an extraordinarily intrusive way uh, an outrageous way to attempt to tax us, um, but we know that the consequences go way beyond just taxation. Um, at some point, they could limit the number of miles we're allowed to drive in the name of climate change. Uh, why did you drive 1,200 miles last month when your allotment is only 1,000 miles? Yes, exactly. Um, 
that could be that could be a question we're we're facing in not so many years. And the beginnings of that, the idea, the spirit of that, is in this bill. Yes, and I have to add uh, that the ten thousand foot view of this, Tommy, is that the left does want people controlled as as in, in as many ways as possible. They don't want you having the freedom of movement in your car. They want to keep you closer to home. They want to keep you dependent on them. It's a, they want to take us back in time, but it's not like it's a quaint memory. It's like it's a control issue. And uh, we'll do a show. Actually, there's a great article on this that I just read, and we're going to do a show on that so you can understand what the end game here, here is if you think you can stand to hear about what the end game is. But that's one of the provisions that these 17 Republicans are voting on today and all of those Democrats. And to be clear, the reconcil- uh, the, um, uh, this infrastructure bill, it went through cloture, had to have 60 votes in order to vote on it, and the, the Republicans easily provided that for them. Mitch McConnell threw his hat in the ring, and off they were to the races. So today it just has to pass, I guess, by a simple majority. Right, Tommy? That's right. That's right. Uh, cloture is over. All they need is 51 votes today, and it's widely expected that they'll get it um, and, and, and that they will immediately pivot to working on that much bigger, uh, much worse bill that Republicans aren't going to participate in. But by that time, um, you know, they, they will have already added the sweetener of the infrastructure bill. Yeah, and I think also uh, now just to distinguish between these two bills, we've said it, but we need to repeat it because the process is confusing now, the reconciliation bill simply means that there is a constitutional, not constitutional, there's a uh, uh, a law I mean, uh, that you can pass a bill if it has budget proposals in it on a strictly a majority uh, vote. And so the Democrats with Kamala Harris have 51 votes, and that, that's what it means when you can pass a bill by uh, on reconciliation. You say it has budget proposals in it of some sort that match, that meet the standard. And that's how they want to pass this up to nine trillion or $5 trillion more spending. But Tommy, on that, we touched on this, but we we need to sit on it just a little bit more. They're talking about every single wish list of the left, including the entire Green New Deal, right? The Green New Deal, and what I think is is worse, uh, is um, immigration amnesty for 10 million, 15 million people. Um, It's that, plus it's three and a half trillion dollars in spending uh, if you're concerned about inflation, the risk that inflation files out of control goes up a lot if we spend $3.5 trillion in one shot in the way that they want to do it. Uh, on the on the heels of this $1 trillion bill and on the heels of the COVID relief bill they passed earlier this year, I'm very worried about inflation. I'm very worried about amnesty. Uh, everything the Democrats are going to pass under the Biden administration is going to go in this bill. The reality is this is their one shot to get anything they want from the Biden agenda. So it's going to have his family plan. It's going to have the Green New Deal. It's going to have amnesty in it. This is the last train leaving the station, and it's all Democrats uh, on board. Uh, They don't need Republicans to do it. They already got in the infrastructure bill what they needed out of Republicans. They can do it unilaterally. Um, And it's it's terrifying. Uh, Quickly. There really isn't. Uh, a safety net here. Tell me, we just have a few seconds left. Cinema and Mansion are are they going to vote for the reconciliation bill? They say they are, um, but we will see what it actually contains. That that's why I'm optimistic is that there are yeah, moderate that, Democrats who to stand up. Okay, so that's why all of you listening need to call your senators today. 
And that means the Democrats, too. They need to feel the heat on this. We can't let the dagger go in without fighting back. Tommy Dupinion. Thanks, Tommy. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks one-year scholarship program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. They say actions speak louder than words. Here at the American Family Association, we take that to heart. AFA Action is here to inform and help you get involved in cultural and moral issues. You can also sign up for our AFA Action Alert, which will inform you about these issues every week by email. To sign up and for more information, visit us at afaaction.net. Why are you still sitting there? If you want change, it starts with you. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. As Apostle Paul navigated torrential ministerial waters in Ephesus, he sent Timothy and Erastus ahead of him as an advance team to Macedonia. Paul also includes Erastus as one who greeted the church at Rome in Romans 16.23, in which Paul described Erastus' job as the city treasurer in Corinth. In 1929, archaeologists in Corinth discovered a mid-first century Latin inscription that read, Erastus, in return for his edelship, laid the pavement at his own expense. The modern equivalent of a first century edel would be a city manager. The Bible is trustworthy. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Did you know that over 62 million babies have been aborted since Roe v. Wade? Every single one of these babies' lives was dear and precious. Why isn't the world declaring these babies as lost? Here's Dan Steiner, the president of Preborn, a ministry dedicated to saving babies' lives from abortion through ultrasound. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, introducing women considering abortion to their precious preborn baby. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Official Washington and Americans more generally are finally awakening to the reality that the Chinese Communist Party is at war with us. Yet House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is allowing Congressman Eric Swalwell to remain on the House Intelligence Committee, even though he has acknowledged having a relationship with a CCP spy aptly named Fang Fang. Not only does this compromised California representative have as a result access to many of our nation's most sensitive secrets, he actually is allowed still to chair the panel's Intelligence Modernization and Readiness Subcommittee. What could possibly go wrong? Fortunately, an impressive group of former national security practitioners and China experts, including a former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Representative Pete Hoekstra, have warned Speaker Pelosi today 
that Swalwell may still be working with Chinese intelligence. He must be removed from that panel at once. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. So let's exercise a brief shining moment of common sense. And let's recognize if we've gathered all 100 senators in this chamber and ask them to stand up and articulate two sentences defining what cryptocurrency is that you would not get greater than five who could answer that question. Given that reality, the barest exercise of prudence would say we shouldn't regulate something we don't yet understand. We should actually take the time to try to understand it. We should hold some hearings. We should consider the consequences. We shouldn't destroy people's lives and livelihoods from complete ignorance. All right, so that was Ted Cruz on the floor of the Senate last night making the point that these senators who are so gung-ho for these bills are ignorant. That's the point he was making. He was a little more circumspect than I am, but that's what he's saying. We found that out, you know, when when they were doing hearings on uh, social media, how they're older men, for the most part. They don't know anything about what they're talking about. They have their staffers write these things. Uh, But I have to say, he's talking about cryptocurrency, and I think he's certainly, I can't explain, I'm, I'm not one of the five that understands it. Uh, if I were a senator, I would not be one of the five because it's complicated and I haven't spent time studying it. But um, I, I cannot let them off by saying they're just ignorant. They know exactly what they're doing. I think, how can you not say that they are just padding their own pockets, making sure they have a cushy future with a bridge or a highway or something named after them with this big bill, what possible motivation could there possibly be? They're bragging about it being a bipartisan bill. As I said to you yesterday, bipartisan in D.C. just means that the Republicans give the Democrats everything they want. And again, that sounds like this is a party issue. This is not a party issue. Seventeen Republicans are joining the Democrats because it's bipartisan. Now, isn't that an achievement? Haven't you longed for them to work in a bipartisan fashion in this way? This is the, the this is there's they are like locked into time. They are so out of touch with what people really think. I can't believe that they're still using that as some sort of a something to celebrate in DC. Mitch, Mitt Romney's one of the worst, but I'd be hard. It would be really hard to line them up as the worst. It'd be hard. So Enough about that, and uh, we'll put those articles on our Facebook page, and I hope that you will call your senators and give them a piece of your mind. Always, uh, you know, watch the language and be respectful, but you can still be angry. You know, I, I have to, that reminds me, this is something that kind of kept me up last night, and uh, it's something it would be great to have a long talk with about, but we can't. That, when Antifa attacked those people setting up for a worship service on the... Uh, and the park by the water. This happened yesterday. I played some of the sound from you. I watched a longer videotape of it last night. Antifa showed up in their black masks with their weapons. Uh, you know, not a gun, at least we don't think. They use other things like flash bombs and paint and uh, sprays, bear spray and all of it. And they attacked these families, including the babies. 
There were babies there. They were spraying the babies. They stole their food, their food carts. Uh, I mean, just individual families with picnic blankets. They stole the carts they brought in. They bragged about it later on social media. They took the sound equipment and threw it in the water. And they sprayed, you know, people in the face. There were several pastors who were injured. And the thing that I found myself wondering, they blasphemed God on the microphone. They said, uh, all cops are B, uh, the B word for, for men. All cops are B, in Jesus' name. They said that when they stole the mic. And the people, you could hear one of them particularly saying, uh, we come in the name of Jesus. We, we're here in peace. We come in the name of Jesus. Uh, and I heard one of them shout back, you know, where is your God now? That disturbed me because I'm conflicted. I, I, I can't imagine. Do you think really that God expects Christian men to allow that to happen to their their families, their babies, isn't there some sort of fight back? I didn't see that. I saw some, you know, resistance verbally. And I certainly wouldn't say that these uh, these Christian men were not resisting in some way because they were. But part of me wanted to see David's mighty men show up. And just, um, I wanted to see masks ripped off. I'd love to see these guys and their faces exposed. I'd love to see just some way of just ripping off their disguise. And you'd find it's the clerk at 7-Eleven or, you know, the guy that uh, sells you chicken. Or I don't know what they do for a living. I'm sure that a lot of them are highly educated and have, uh, you know, work in office jobs. And they hide behind these, it's like the Ku Klux Klan. What's the difference? What's the difference? They hide behind these masks, and they do tremendous harm. The Ku Klux Klan, you know, hung and killed people. Antifa would in a heartbeat. And where is the FBI? Where is the FBI? They are investigating, like the pastors, the people who were going at the worship service, because a lot of them ended up in jail from January 6th. They're spending all their resources on that and nothing on these black criminals. And by that, you know what I mean by black. Their clothing, their face. I don't know what color they are. Some of them are black. Some of them are white. I think most of them are white. They're just wicked. They're just wicked. But are Christian men not allowed to fight back and stop it? I I don't have an answer for you, but I can tell you that's really bothering me right now. It's bothering me. If you have a comment about that, you can send it to sandy at AFR.net, and maybe we can have a good discussion on it. Uh, on Thursday. So I want to tell you something, something uh, that you need to know. Uh, you know, um, I don't know, we've not spoken in a long time about frankspeech.com. That's Michael Lindell's social media outlet. And if you are one of the f- people that who doesn't know what's going on with that, Frank uh, speech has become an outlet for tr- lots of patriots. Uh, and it's got some great information about uh, voter fraud, about all kinds of stuff. And uh, it is, of course, can't be touched by these social media giants. It's free and clear. And you can join it, by the way. Uh, I don't think they've um, uh, introduced their private social media part of this. So far, it is a way of communicating truth to the American citizens, uh, people around the world, too, to to get past the um, 
the draconian censorship that we're experiencing. So, but uh, one in particular thing that they're starting today is a, a cyber symposium. It's going to go from uh, the 10th to the 12th of August, and it's going to be uh, all the information that they've gathered at this point about what happened uh, in the election of the presidential election of 2020. And so uh, we're going to be talking at great length uh, with Pat um, uh, Kolbeck, who is working with Mike Lindell, as are others. We'll talk to him in the next few days about this, but I wanted you to know that this is starting again. So if you haven't, starting today, uh, starting today, the Cyber Symposium. And if you can't see all of it, you know, it will be, um, you can watch it later, or you can watch it, you can watch what you can during the day, and then go back and catch up on the bits before and afterwards later. So there's a way to do that. So... Uh, frankspeech.com. I recommend that you do that. And in a, as a and as a general rule, they have uh, it's like television. Uh, it's like a television station. Only it's through your your phone or your laptop that you watch it. Or you could do it on your television too. I guess if you uh, go to Frank Speech. So I just wanted you to know about that. And I want to mention also again there is a Trump rally uh, Saturday, the August the twenty first. I think it's in Coleman, Alabama, and um, people are welcome to come. And I think in you know, President Trump. He's still speaking. You, you don't hear it because who's going to repeat what he's saying? But trust me, he's not quiet about this. And he actually said to these senators uh, who are voting for this infrastructure bill that uh, he will work against them. He said, think twice about, you know, think twice about voting for this bill because I, and you know, he, infrastructure was a huge thing for him. He was dying uh, to put his uh, expertise and his love of buildings and architecture and uh, infrastructure to work uh, during his years as president, but they would not let him do that. So now Joe Biden, we get Joe Biden's version of infrastructure, which is like spend until you, you know, create hyperinflation and people cannot drive or do anything. Uh, And we'll see who creates those uh, buildings and those roads. It'll be interesting to see what the left thinks that should look like. I, me thinks it might not look very good. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.